0: From the portico if you 've not been greeted this morning, did anyone uh, find it difficult parking this morning? Anybody got railroad out there? <laughs> Thank you for being cooperative with us. If you were not aware this afternoon, directly following the service we 're having a barbecue and we 've invited neighbors. And members of the community in to come and we're having a free barbecue and there's activities for the kids with face painting and a big bouncy castle. And some of our church members and community members are coming and fixing bikes for free. So we have blocked off the south side of the parking lot. And uh, thank you for just being uh, cooperative with us. And we apologize if it was a little uh, unclear this morning as you were were coming in. So thank you for uh, just being patient with us. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we are in week four of a series called Call of Duty, and we are looking at our lives in combat, our lives in battle, and the battlefield that is the Christian life, the life of faith. Has anybody seen the new Captain America movie, Winter Soldier? Have you and seen Winter Soldier? A few of us have seen. If you don't know Captain America, Captain America has the coolest shield ever, and uh, he's, got, he's got this big powerful and it's it's redesigned from what from what i had seen growing up and reading in comic books it used to be the red white and blue thing i had a little action figure back in the 80s growing up playing captain america it, it seems kind of funny that I liked Captain America, considering we're Canadian, but whatever, we didn't have Captain Canada. We had Who's that? It was like the hockey, that was hockey, Captain Canada's Wayne Gretzky. Captain America had a shield, <laughs> and he, had, he has this cool shield, and if, if you don't know the story of Captain America, he, he's got this shield that was developed in World War II. And it was made out of this metal they called adamantine, but it's basically the, the strongest metal you could, you could ever possibly imagine. And it withstood attacks of missiles, and it withstood attacks of, of guns, and now that he's with the Avengers, it, it can withstand attacks of like the Hulk or Thor's big, uh, whatever, that, what's that thing called that Thor has? The hammer, yeah, the hammer of Thor. He can just bounces off of that thing. And in, in, in the new movie, he falls out of a helicopter and he smashes down onto the ground and he's fine because he's got his big shield and he's got all, he's, he, he uses it as a weapon. He can, he can throw it and it takes people out and it boomerangs back to him. It's got to be like the coolest shield ever. And as I was watching the movie, I was thinking, there are all kinds of times when that shield would come in handy, isn't there, in your life? Do you imagine all the kinds of times when you could use a shield that could withstand the attacks of mutants? Like that, doesn't that happen to you all? No. not so much. So maybe Captain America's shield is less useful than we would think, but there is a shield that it talks about in the book of Ephesians that is a completely useful shield, more so than Captain America's. And we're going to go to verse 16. If you've been tracking along with us, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. And if you want to borrow a copy of the Bible this morning, just slip your hand up and Art will make sure that you get one. And you uh, you can use it for this morning and just return it at the end of the service. And you can always follow along in your smartphones or your tablets, just go to uh, version, and then you can follow along by searching Milton or Portico. But we're going to go to verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been starting with verse 13, of course, it says, then therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, and here's what it tells us, stand firm then, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, the shield that Paul is talking about here is described as one of faith. And faith at its core is believing in something that we can't possibly know to be true. Now, you do this all the time, don't you? Anyone who doesn't know much about cars, just put your hand up. You don't know a ton about cars. Just own that. You don't know how to fix cars. I got two hands up. Be honest that you don't know how to fix your car all that well. You go to the mechanic, and the mechanic says, here's what I need to do to your car. And he's saying, and the estimate is going to be $1,200. And you're looking at this guy, and you're thinking, you know that I know that I, You know that I don't know anything about what's going on underneath my car. And he goes off and says, Yeah, we need to change the carburetor exhaust fan and lube up the joists, and it's going to be $1,200. And when you come back, we'll, we'll, we'll get that sucker back in the road. No problem. And you're looking at him and thinking... I don't fully trust you. Because <laughs> whatever you say, I'm just going to have to go either yes or no and take a huge leap of faith that you're telling me the truth. And so you pay the man $1,200 or you, start, or you put it on your credit card and you think, I'm not going to be able to eat for the next month based on what that guy said, but I'm just going to trust him. You have no faith. Or you have to have faith. You either have no faith in him or you've got to take that step of faith. What about when you go to the doctor? And the doctor says, ooh, I don't like the the counts that came back in your hemoglobin. (laughs) And you're thinking, yeah, I didn't like that either, really. And he said, so I'm going to prescribe two medications that you should be taking for the next six years. And you just take, you take five at breakfast and four at dinner and they're just, they're they're this big, but you only need eight glasses of water and they have to be four hours before dinner and, and three hours without eating anything. And you're thinking, I don't know if I can even do that, let alone if that's good for me. And you look at the, side effects and what does it say like it causes like shortness of breath heart attacks and possibly death yeah that's good i'll take those i'll just take those for the next few years and and the doctor says this is good this is going to help you and you think okay i'll take that i'll have faith in you mr doctor man and you have no way of knowing whether it's going to work out for you until it's too late right until, until it's run its course, until your car dies because you didn't lube up the joist, or until your heart starts going hard, or you're having a heart attack, you don't really know. And we get to Ephesians, and it says, pick up the shield of faith. Now, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we don't see. And Hebrews 11.6 says this. You're, you can read about this in your, in your CLGs this week. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? So we need, to look, we need to really know what faith is. Because if we can't please God without having it, then we, then we better figure out what having faith is all about. So we're going to look at three different things this morning. And the first is this, that faith protects you against the enemy's attack. Ephesians says that the shield's function is to block fiery arrows shot out by the way of the evil one. Now the Roman soldiers they had two shields. Remember, Paul is writing this as he's as he's guarded by Roman soldiers and the soldiers had two different shields. And the first one is more of a decorative shield like we can see on the screen here and it was made of wicker. This this shield you see here it's it's wicker and it's covered in leather. And the reason why they would use this shield was when they were out and they were marching around on the streets and they were just kind of being a presence, being a force, and they would have this shield for show. It was light to carry, but it was completely useless if they were ever going to get into battle. And the second shield that they had was this full body coverage shield. It was heavy. It was made of wood. They could hide right behind it. It would link together with the shields of the other soldiers it weighed nearly half as much as they did, but it offered full protection. So we need to think about which shield we're going to carry in to this battle, because you're you're here this morning in church, so I'm going to assume that you have some level of interest in the things about faith, and faith is a shield that has the ability to offer us full protection, but it also has the ability maybe to just be a more decorative piece that we add on to our lives. Faith could be everything that is all consuming protective, or it could just be something like the Roman shield. That's just more of a decoration that that we just kind of hang on to that. And only one we know is going to offer protection from flaming arrows. This is what we read in 2 Samuel 22, 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless, and he shields all who take refuge in him. And if we're honest, the decorative Faith, the decorative life of faith, is easier, and it's lighter. It's like you can come to church on Sundays. If someone says, do you know anything in the Bible? You're like, John three sixteen, baby. God so loved the world, and he gave his only son, that anyone who believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Bam! Got it. <laughs> when the offering plates pass around, sometimes you give in. Sometimes it's been a tough week. You don't. You have a life of faith. But it's kind of like you, it's, it's, it's a decorative piece that you add on to your life. You like having it, but it's not this all-consuming thing that's, that would totally protect you, that's a little more weighty to carry, that's a little more all-consuming, all-giving in. But if you carried that, you'd have full protection. And Satan comes at us with fiery arrows, it says, when we get involved in life. And we need to consider which shield are we really carrying. And what are Satan's arrows anyway? Because commonly we would attribute them to anything bad that happens in our day-to-day life. We think in our, in our humanity, it feels good if we have a reason to, to reconcile the bad things that we experience. When we get sick, we say, Satan is attacking me. I there's, that's, that, that stomach flu that we have, that's got to be Satan Because that's a horrible thing that's going on inside of us We think Satan's at work against us We have a tough day at work and we say the evil one has been attacking me We bang our toe off something we're like Satan, why are you against me? I was wearing flip-flops and I banged my toe You're totally out and attacking me It's a j- joke a little bit But don't we get caught thinking this way sometimes? When family members have their back turned against us, we think, boy, that I'm really under attack right now. When there's a natural disaster on earth, we think, what's happening there? God, why is Satan attacking that part of the earth? When we lose our job, we think, this has got to be something that's coming against me. A Christian's first thought often goes there. And it's a dangerous theology to get caught up in. Because although it's true that God can protect us when we're attacked, then we get caught thinking, if God's not protecting me, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I haven't prayed the right prayer. Maybe I haven't lived the right way, and God's allowing this attack on my life. Because it would, it would start to stand to reason that the most healthy and the most wealthy and the most loved are the most favored by God. And that's simply not true. Many times, the difficulties we face in the world are just the result that we live in a broken world. Human nature is unkind at times. So sometimes when we're treated with unkindness and we're treated with people that, or people treat us in a bad way, it's not Satan attacking us. It's just, that guy's kind of jerky sometimes. It's not Satan, it's that guy. Not all volcanic activity is an act of Satan. It's just geology happening the way God created it. We can't look at every negative thing that comes against us and say, that's one of Satan's fiery arrows. And I'm not saying that, that never happens because we do see a few times in scripture where Satan does attack through a sickness or Satan is allowed to work through big acts like this. But I want to look at some of the common ways in scripture where over and over and over it says this is an attack of Satan, the evil one on our lives. The first one is this really clearly is temptation. Anytime that we get any anytime that we're tempted, we know that's an attack of the world of Satan against Satan us. Adam and Eve, the first story in the Bible is about Satan tempting. The first story about Jesus as he becomes a man is Satan tempting him. There is an entire we we know that when temptation comes that's Satan against us. Christian books, Christian authors have devoted entire studies Then they call it every man's battle and every woman's battle because they know that we're tempted by the external appearance of of the opposite sex, someone other than our spouse. You want to talk about an attack, a fiery arrow that's being shot at our world today? We know the state of marriages and relationships in our society. That's an attack that's coming against us, where we know that 25% of first-time marriages are failing. We, we, we looked at that when we, when, when we started this, when we were looking at truth. And we know that the percentage of cheating that's Going on is ridiculously high, and one of the regular attacks of Satan in our lives is he dangles something that looks to be appealing, looks to be good for us in front of our faces, and it would it would feel good in the moment. And it's a temptation, and you don't have to grow very old to realize that giving in to temptation is a life that causes a lot of hurt and trouble. But it's an effective attack, isn't it? Another common attack we see in Scripture is discouragement. We see couples all throughout the stories in scripture. There were couples they wanted nothing more than to have a baby. And their hearts were broken. They pour out and they say, God, I'll I'll give my child to 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 the church and they'll live at the church if you would just give me a baby. And they say, God, I would do anything. I am coming here praying day after day after day if you just give me a baby. And they're so discouraged. We see Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jonah, th- these were all prophets in the Old Testament, and they all cried out to God and said, there's nobody else that serves you like I do, God. Why, Why am I the only one that se- feels like I'm serving you? We see time after time in Scripture, people feeling like they had lost all hope, and they didn't know what to do, and they were discouraged. And it's in that moment that Satan comes And he says, we're in these places because God's punishing us, because God doesn't care about us. And if you only prayed more, if you're only more obedient, if you would just do what God wanted you to do, then he would answer your prayer. And again, it's simply not true. We look at scripture and we know God is not a vending machine that we put in the right coins and the right prayers, that what we want comes out. But the enemy, he fires back and he pierces our hearts. By saying, God doesn't love you until such and such happens in your life. And it's a dis- the attack of discouragement comes at us. The attack of uncertainty comes at us about our future. Both our future here on earth and our future in heaven. And we're going to look at this next week when we talk about the helmet of salvation. But we question, can God really be trusted? And some of you sit here this morning and you've got an opportunity, a risk that you may want to take with with your life or with business or with family. And you think, can I trust God? I'm not certain that it's going to work out. And we know that scripture says, look at the birds that fly around. (laughs) Jesus was telling people, he said, just take a look at the birds. They fly around. They don't worry. They don't worry where they're going to eat. They don't worry what they're going to wear. And if God cares so much about them and he takes care of them, think about how much more he's going to take care of you. And we have this uncertainty that attacks us. You know, as he attacks us, Satan constantly distorts the truth. We see this all the time in scripture. The Bible says we're created as masterpieces. And we question whether we're even lovable by one other person on earth. Where do you think that doubt comes from? Scripture says that when we sin and we confess it, he takes it and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And we think, God, you can't forgive what I've done. Where do you think that doubt comes from? It's an attack of Satan. And if you look at these, none of those attacks are a physical, tangible attack on our well-being or on our body. It's all in our mind. It's all in the inner areas. And you know what Satan does? He uses any negative thing that's in our life and he just goes for it. He just attacks it and he causes us to question God and he causes us to be discouraged or he causes a natural temptation that would be in the world and he says, you'd like life better if you went for that. So we need to make this practical. How can we stop this? Because if the life of faith is one that's protected, how can, we stop, how can we stop that? Well, there's a beautiful picture from the Roman soldier. They carried their shield. They clipped it onto their belt. What, what did the belt represent? You remember? What the belt represent? Truth. They clipped their shield of faith onto the truth of the Word of God. We've got to know that the we've got to know the truth of God and speak it regularly in our lives and believe it regularly. Paul acknowledges that temptation is going to come. He said it to the Corinthian church. He says, No temptation has overcome you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And when God tempts you, he prevents you a way out so that you can handle it so that, so that, so that you can provide it. If you're at the Christian, uh, you can, uh, he provides a way out so you can stand up underneath it. If you were at the, um, the Wednesday night study we had this week, the Christian Life and Witness course, the leader told a really, a really cool story about a limo driver who was interviewing three people or, or uh, a person who was interviewing limousine drivers. And he interviewed three different people. And the first guy said, you want to see how close I can get to the cliff? He goes, I'm going 100 miles an hour and I'm one foot from the cliff and I'm just speeding down there and I'll never come off. And You should hire me to be your limo driver. So he goes to the next guy and the next guy is driving 100 miles an hour close to the cliff but he gets even half a foot away and he says, I'm not going to waver. I'm the best limo driver you could ever imagine. I'm half a foot closer than this guy. So he looks at the third guy. How good of a driver are you? And the third guy goes, I'm going to drive like As far away from the cliff as I can and I'll go the speed limit to make sure you get there and you're safe. And he goes, the guy he's hiring go, I'm hiring that guy. I'm not hiring the guy that's coming close to the temptation. I'm hiring the guy or close to the close to the cliff. How do we withstand up against the temptation that comes? We run from it. And we hold on to the truth that's in Scripture. And I I have some truth in my heart that I know Scripture says whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, whatever's wholesome, think about those things. So I stay away from temptation because I know I'm grounded in the Word of God. I know that the Word of God says hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So I cling on to the things that are good. I know that it says if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. And I don't have those words on the screen. I have them in my heart because my shield of faith is clipped onto the truth of the word of God and it protects me Satan's got no ability to come through when, I'm, when I've got the truth and I've got my faith shielded and if you're carrying a shield of faith that's the heavy wooden one that may take a little more effort to know the word, to know the truth to be actively engaged in your faith if you're carrying that shield of faith those arrows bounce off there's no getting through if we carry the decorative faith that just kind of, it's something we add on to our lives, sometimes those attacks, they stick a little more, they come through, we feel them begin to pierce us. And this morning I would go as far to say, when you, when I, when we give in to temptation, when we get down on ourselves, when we become uncertain about what God has for us, I think it's because we haven't picked up the right shield. We haven't picked up the truth that's in the word of God because a life that's carrying that shield is a protected life. I remember when I was in, when I was in grade school, I had this horrible stutter. I don't know if, if any of you ever dealt with that, but there would be times when I could barely get the words out of my mouth. I would have an answer in class and I would get so excited to give the answer. I'd put my hand up, oh, 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 And she'd are like, Rick, what's the answer? And I'd be, and I couldn't get it out, and I felt so terrible about myself. And they sent me to this speech pathologist, and I went to class and the, these classes, and they would teach me how to get the words out. And they would teach me to slow down, and and I was slowly learning. But I could. It took me years and years to be able even just to answer a question in class. And my friends would make fun of me, and I was saying, "It's just, it's just, it's it's just stuttering." <laughs> and they're like. It's not stuttering. It's like you're echoing. At I'm like, it's not. It's not echoing. It's stuttering. I'll go to the speech, and for furthermore, speech pathologist is a really mean word to send kids you can't speak very well to go and see. Why don't they just call it like the the talk doctor or something like that? Speech pathologist. I'm trying to get that word out when you have trouble getting anything out. So I couldn't even tell everybody where I was going to get this help. And even now, as I'm as I'm speaking, I have to visualize words. Ahead of what I'm going to say. And sometimes I get halfway into a sentence, and Amanda says this all the time you get halfway into a sentence, and then you stop and you start again. I said, That's what the speech pathologist told me to do when I was eight years old. And I remember at 17, 18 years old, I'm trying to make life decisions and figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And God intersected me in a service, and He said, I'm changing what you're going to do, and you're going to go and you're going to speak. You're going to get up in front of people. And, and teach and tell people how much I love them and I care about them. I said, God, you're crazy. I've been at a speech pathologist for years. I, sometimes I can't get words out. Nobody wants to listen to me. They make fun of me. They make fun of my voice. They don't want to listen to me. And then I remember him saying, so are you trusting in your own ability? Or are you trusting what I've called you to do? And are you trusting in the word of God that says where you're weak, I'm strong. And I've called the low things of the world to shame the proud things of the world. What are you trusting in? I said, God, that's a really good argument. (laughs) So I gave up my dream of going to ad school, advertising school, and followed what he called me to do. And I picked up the shield of faith and said, God, I'm going to trust, even though I'm not really certain about this, even though I'm down on myself, those are the enemy's arrows. Those aren't the truths that you've told me about. God wasn't asking if I was qualified. He was asking, what I trust him? Listen, if you sit here this morning and you've been giving in to temptation, he says, you don't have to give in to temptation. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's truth and that's the heavy battle shield. He says, if you're down and you're discouraged, just trust in me. Pick up the heavy battle shield, even though it may feel weighty, even though it may cost you something, pick it up and those arrows will start bouncing off. Two more quick thoughts this morning. Faith provides strength beyond your individual capacity. It's the concept that the sum of something is greater than the individual pieces that make it up. Ecclesiastes teaches us about this. It says, Though one may be overpowered and two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And the Roman soldiers got this. They all had that big heavy battle shield, but when they got together, they made this fortress and they, these shields linked together. Look, look at that guy tucked underneath. Like nothing's getting at him. If you're in the middle of that, there's nothing that's getting at you. Flaming arrows, spears, charging bulls, or whatever's coming at them, they're fully protected. I don't know if your, if your workplace does your, your workplace use the word synergy? Anybody, they, they talk about synergy. God's all about synergy. God, God is all about synergy. There's a beautiful story in Exodus, and we're going to read about it in our CLGs this week. But if you don't know the story, Moses was, was leading the Israeli army, and, and God said this to him, I just want you to stand with your arms really high over top of the army. And whenever your arms are going to be up, the Israelites, that army is going to win. And Moses is like, Okay, sure, whatever. As long as I'm not out there in the front with the arrows coming at me, I guess I'm in the right spot. And so he did it, and he stood out over top of the the army, and when his arms were up, they were winning. But Moses was an old guy, like over 100 years old. And so, I mean, you, how long could you keep your arms up? Five minutes, ten minutes? If it was like a survivor competition and you were for a million dollars, you might be able to go 45 minutes or something like that. After a while, your arms are going to get tired. So he starts to drop them, and then the army started to lose. And so what did did Moses do? He says, well, I guess my people are going to die, and we're going to lose the battle. No, he doesn't go there. He looks at his two friends beside him. He says, can you just come and hold up my arms? And you think... Why on earth would God call Moses to keep his arms up over top of the battle? Why would he do that? That sounds like the dumbest thing in the world. If he wants Israel to win, just let them win. You're God. You can do that. You don't need the guy with the arms. He does it because it's a principle that he wants us to know. That we're better together. That there's added protection. And we have strength beyond our individual capacity when we do the life of faith together. So we are called to do church life together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We're called to do church together. We're called to pray together. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We're called to pray together. We're called to do church together. You know what? You could make it to heaven all by yourself. You could. You could believe in him. You could confess your sins and you'll make it to heaven. But you're not called to do it that way. And when we share our faith collectively, we obtain goals, we experience life in a way we never could if we do it on our own. And if you're experiencing one of these attacks this morning, discouragement, temptation, a distortion of truth, are you walking a life in relationship with others or are you walking it alone? Are you trying to do your faith and you're trying to, do you just have one shield or do you have a shield over top of you and beside you and beside you and behind you? We, we talk about our CLGs, our community life groups, all the time. It's because that's how we're called to live. We're not just called to live doing it on our own. And maybe one of the five groups that we have meeting here isn't a perfect night or isn't a perfect fit for you. It's okay. We don't need the statistics that say we have one more group meeting, although we love having groups meeting together and we think it's a great organization for people. But as long as we're meeting together... We're studying the Word of God together. We're carrying each other's attacks together. We're shielding each other together. Our life of faith is completely different when we do that together. Finally, is this faith produces courageous tenacity. Isn't that a great word, tenacity? The ability to keep going even when you're knocked down. When you live a life that's shielded from arrows and you're supported by your brothers and sisters, an active faith That act of faith allows you to take steps you would never dream possible. I want you to remember this. Paul was writing this letter to the church under house arrest, guarded by Roman soldiers. And the reason why he was there is because he chose to go there. He chose to walk into to slavery or chose to walk into capture. On his way, you can read about this in, in, in Acts chapter 21. There's a prophet named Agabus, and Agabus says, If you keep going towards Jerusalem, give me, give me your hands. And so Paul put up his hands, and Agabus ties a rope around his hands, and he says, This is what's going to happen if you go towards Jerusalem. Paul goes, No, I know, I got to go. Or if you go towards Rome, I got to go. And the people looked around him, and they said, Please, Paul, don't go. Don't go, because if that's what's going to happen, we don't want you to get arrested. And Paul said, No, I got to go. All the more. Here's what he says actually verbatim in, in chapter 13. Paul says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul didn't care what was going to come against them. And Paul didn't even care what his friends thought was best. He didn't even care if it worked out for his benefit here on earth. He picked up the shield of faith and he said, just pray for me, guys. Support me in this. And he marched boldly to the destination that God had laid out before him. And what did he end up doing in captivity? He wrote the Bible. That's a, that's a pretty good calling. I'm glad Paul didn't stop and turn around and said, Ooh, if I, I'm a little scared now. I really don't want to go. We'd miss, be missing out on the Bible. You may have come to church today facing uncertainty about a real situation, a tough situation, a choice that you know, if you were to make this choice, it might be hard, it might be difficult, it might not even work out for your best worldly interest. But if God is calling you to do it, This morning, pick up that shield of faith and walk boldly and take the steps to do what God is calling you to do. There is such a freedom and such a security in walking in God's calling for your life. Because then you don't have to worry about anything that's coming. You know, if God's called you to do it, even if, as Paul said, even if I was bound up, even if I had to die, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. So sign up and go to missions to Siberia because... No, just kidding. (laughs) But if God's calling you to something, don't back out because of one of the shots of the enemy, the fear, the discouragement, a distortion of truth. We're going to watch a video and then we're going to respond. It's this video. It's, it's a camera that's planted at the front of a plane of an Air New Zealand flight that's landing into Queensland. And in Queensland, there's a beautiful range of mountains And you kind of have to navigate through the mountains to land the plane. And on this particular day, there was a mass amount of low-lying clouds. And he was going to have to land without ever seeing what was going to be in front of him. And he knew there was going to be danger all around him. And he had to rely on the instruments that he had. And I want you to watch what happens and just consider what instruments are you relying on. Your own ability to see what's in front or the word of the Lord in your heart. Let's watch the video. (laughs) pilot, <laughs> no, but let's be honest, how would you like to be you this morning, facing a choice, you know God is speaking to you, you may be here, and you've never made the choice to follow Jesus before, you've, you've heard about this story, but you've never chosen to follow Jesus, and it feels like, can I just make a blind step of faith like that, yeah you can, <laughs> Just trust that the voice that you're hearing this morning is the voice of the Lord saying, just trust me. Just try this. I got you. If that's you, we want to pray with you this morning. It could be that you're already following Jesus and you know the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something really real this morning. And you know that It's going to be dangerous if you step out and make that choice. Did you see how how the pilot banked at the very last minute? You think, oh, he's got like a kilometer wide stretch to get in there. And then he has to turn and bank just right towards a mountain face before he went into the clouds. And you're feeling that this morning. You're like, God, if I do this, I could, I could totally blow it. This could happen and this could happen. And people are going to think this about me. And, and God, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And then the voice of the Lord to you is saying, just trust me, pick up the shield of faith. Don't give in to the doubt. Don't give in to the discouragement. Don't give in to whatever that little voice is inside your head. Just take the step of faith, because I got you. This is, this is real. That voice is real. And this morning, the band is going to lead us, and we're just going to sing what we just heard, that Christ is enough. I'm not going to worry about my own thoughts and my own direction. I'm just going to trust that the instruments of direction that God gave us, the Holy Spirit, is going to guide me in the right way. And as the band begins to sing, whether whether it's you're taking a step of faith for the first time or whether you just need somebody to stand with you and pray with you about a big decision that you need to make, would you come and just find a spot around here or would you turn to somebody in your seat and just say, will you pray about this with me? Because we would love to be the church and support one another because we're better together, we're protected, when we carry that shield. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we can take these steps, Lord, and I pray for every heart this morning that felt you speaking to them God give them confidence to do what you called them to do God I pray against every arrow that comes at us this week whether it be a temptation area whether it be a discouragement area whether it be just a distortion of the truth whether there be uncertainty Lord whatever comes against us in the name of Jesus as we pick up our shield of faith God I pray it bounce off and there would be no attack of the enemy that would stick because of what you've done Jesus we thank you for this time that we've been together this morning we seal it your name.